Welcome everyone to the Show of Requirement, a Harry Potter podcast, our first episode in our cursed read-through. <laughs> the cursed read-through. Oh, no. oh, the cursed child, Harry that. Potter and the cursed child read-through. Uh, on the outline, I put the cursed read-through in parentheses. It's not really that bad, though. Right? <laughs> Oof. So are you just like flat out just asking the question now? No, it's a, it's a, it's a rhetorical question. I'll okay. ask the question for real <laughs> in a moment. Uh, this is Spencer. I'm joined by co-hosts Abby Tooley and David Gonzalez. I don't know if that's the order I'm supposed to say the names, but if it you isn't, know, I'm actually, going rogue. <laughs> Spencer, I actually thought that the last episode, like, l- like leading into recording, like hours before we started recording, I was thinking, does Abby come first or does Spencer come first? <laughs> like, and I just kind of like, well, whatever happens, happens. I so just want you're not you all alone. to know that I don't care if I'm first or last. So you can put me wherever you want to put me. Alphabetical. And <laughs> what I no say, who's what I it says, Abby's here, I David's here, and I'm Spencer. <laughs> yeah. What what I will say will help both of y'all. My name comes first. Okay. Just, just a common rule. I think whoever's hosting gets to say their name. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're thinking yeah. too much over this. <laughs> On the air, we're, we're discussing this. No, but, yes. but before we start, I just am thinking about Spencer like hosting this episode and going, David is here and I am Spencer, joined by co-host Abby. You know, like putting <laughs> David's name first. You know, weird. Abby, I forgot yeah. to, so it's no good now. But I was definitely going to say also joined by Couch Abby. Oh, mm. <laughs> perfect. Yep, there we go. But I did not, so it's too yes. late. That's fine. If it's your first time to the podcast, we don't always review Cursed Child. Uh, That's very true. Yeah. It's a podcast where we deep dive into the wizarding world, be topical, we could be watching movies. In this case, we're finally the first time reading books. Woo. Yeah. In this case, we're reading a play. Mm. It's a whole thing. Mm-hmm kind of the structure we're going for we're trying to decide because eventually obviously we're going to read read books that was something we were going to have to do for this podcast Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i feel personally you guys can weigh in on this that chapter by chapter podcast episodes are too detailed maybe a little boring too much yeah maybe a little too much as a edna mode and incredibles (laughs) would say too much too much uh, but then if you pick up like an entire book, it's like, am I being that hardcore of a Harry Potter fan by just like wholesale, like this 800 page book was, it's good. Mm. And so I, d- I was trying to weigh that out. So, uh, mm. and we're, we're trying to go for like splitting into like three parts. If it's like a 300 page book and so on and so forth. Uh, this is kind of our test drive of that, which it's a little weird structure cause it's a play so it was much faster reading for me it yeah, was like no, I scene, 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 scene. yes but still i think it's a i think it's been a helpful structure because we don't have to talk about the whole book but we are talking mm-hmm. about almost the first half mm-hmm. uh the other yeah. two episodes about this are going to be a little shorter probably just because we don't have as much to mm-hmm. talk about and also all the weird stuff i've heard about this book has not happened yet yeah i was gonna say a lot of the a lot of the rest of the stuff comes later. <laughs> yeah, Abby read the whole thing, so she might be a little bit 
different than me and David, but right. David and I don't know what happens after Act Two at this point. Well, it's a doozy. We know, we know, you know we know I, the bare bones. We've talked about it. We've read up on it, but yes, yeah. I I'm reading this with fresh eyes, really, because I mean, I've I've read the summary and the synopsis before, but it, I think it really is different once you read it for yourself. I don't want to say that I had a banger of a time reading this, but it has its moments. It, it really does. There's a lot of frustrating things also that goes along with reading this. And I think with what we're about to talk about, how this translates to canon is even, I think, even more frustrating. Mm-hmm. Abby, what about you? Yeah, I think reading through this, especially when thinking about the canonicity, I don't know if that's a word, <laughs> um, but thinking about it in those terms was weird because as I was reading it, it still kind of felt like I was reading a fan fiction. But then also having to you remind need to myself read fan that, fiction, Abby. Uh, <laughs> to actually, did, well. <laughs> Okay, but it depends on the quality of fan fiction, Spencer. <laughs> yes. I would say I've read Hallelujah. some. <laughs> it's raining uh, wands. Bet you that's a fan well, fiction. Oh, well. <laughs> but like, it just didn't quite feel the same. And I know that it's because it wasn't totally written by J.K. Rowling, but she played little bits and pieces of it. We'll, we'll get into it. We'll that. get there. Um. But for me, I agree with David. There were bits and pieces that I was like, you know, this idea is actually kind of cool. And I can see how this would make for a really interesting story. Um, but other bits and pieces of it, I'm like, man, that is really frustrating. I I hadn't imagined it turning out that way. And that's not really where I wanted that to go. But also, I'm not the author, so I don't get to make that decision. <laughs> but, you know. If you're talking about Ron Weasley, I agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> That was actually the one of the one uh-huh. of the things that I was going to talk about. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. threw me for a surprise. Mm. We'll we'll get into it. Yeah. Now, this is going to sound so crazy coming from me, but I I have had a good time. Mm. I won't say a banger of a time. Right. But I I at, at Act Two, I won't say anything after that because I will not speak for what I haven't read. But I like Jack Thorne's writing style. I like the way he's taken almost all of the characters. Mm-hmm. No one's been frustrating in a not Harry Pottery way. Mm. Uh, Draco Malfoy and Severus Snape bothered me, but I still enjoyed reading the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's mm-hmm. how I felt about basically the main character of this story, mm. who's Albus Potter. Mm-hmm. But I, I've, I've enjoyed a lot more than I thought I would of this. And especially the play format is so fascinating. Mm-hmm. And it really doesn't have time for little things. So it's like straight character dialogue all the time. Like if you, like the person has to get the emotions out much quicker than a book would necessarily. Uh, They don't have inner, there's no inner dialogue. It's all outer dialogue. And so it's a whole different format. But I've Mm -hmm. enjoyed the first two acts a fair bit. Um, It's been very topsy-turvy though already, Mm -hmm. as David's Mm -hmm. alluded to. 
Yeah, it really kept my attention. Like, and that's not just me being invested in books and speed reading through things. It really did too. keep my attention and made it really easy to read through one because it is a script. But also, I think you're right, just the straight dialogue and then also just thing after thing after thing. It's like, man, I, I almost can't put it down. Yeah, it, 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 I think it, this structure is really cool because there's not a single word wasted. Mm-hmm. Every word carries a lot of weight because there's not a lot of time to be expounding on things that don't relate to the story itself. And I think that's what I really appreciated about this kind of play structure is it was just really easy to kind of read. You don't really miss anything. If you miss something, you're not reading it for real. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I will disagree about... I'm going to hold off on it. I'll wait. I'm not going <laughs> to say it right now. I'll just wait. Because because I want us to get into specifics when we yeah. when we talk about this. So I'm going to wait. Mm-hmm. I, I just... I think it's. I think it's like more positive than negative is what my my opinions are right now yeah and i was i was pleasantly surprised because for me most of the time anything past the seven books i'm already skeptical Mm -hmm. i think that's the direction i usually go with things but the other thing we didn't mention too is the um the descriptions between dialogue text Mm -hmm. are always really they're really rich descriptions yeah Mm -hmm. i really appreciate those they're not as they're not obviously nearly as many words as put in the dialogue mm-hmm. but uh, I wanted to talk a little bit because honestly I'm I was so confused by this I was kind of afraid to touch it because I don't know what it is like what is this <laughs> what actually mm-hmm. is this like people talk about it I'm like it's a play it's a part one it's part two what does that mean uh, I don't understand how that works who wrote this so I'd like to talk for a moment on the development of this to Set the stage, if you will, pun intended. Mm. Uh, makes me crack. Makes me crack up every time. The front cover of this is just just the funniest looking front cover I think I've ever seen. So it says Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, parts one and two, based on an original news story by J.K. Rowling, John Tiffany, and Jack Thorne. A new play by Jack Thorne. It says every single one of those words on the front cover. And there's three names on the side. And it's like, you may be asking yourself. Guys, you're supposed to say self. We did not rehearse this. No, we didn't. I had I didn't know. It was an unspoken expectation. It was an unspoken (laughs) expectation. But I thought I'd give it a shot anyway. Our chemistry's not that strong yet. So you may be asking yourself, what are we asking ourselves? No, you're supposed to say <laughs> self. My bad. Anyway. Self. Okay. <laughs> you guys I'm have never done so this before? I'm so confused. I'm, I'm done. Not, not, I'm done. Yeah, no. Let's move on. We have not. <laughs> All right. So is The Cursed Child written by J.K. Rowling, John Tiffany, or Jack Thorne? The answer the company wants you to think is Yes but mostly J.K. Rowling. As Pius Thickensee said to Voldemort in Deathly Hallows Part 1, one hears many things, my lord. The truth among them is not clear. Basically, 
the play company approached JK about doing uh, a Harry bring Harry Potter to the stage. JK Rowling agreed to it, and that's when they brought in John Tiffany, the director, and Jack Thorne, who's a playwright. Playwright. My apologies. And they kind of workshopped it all together. Uh, J.K. Rowling provided a lot of the universe details, a lot of the like uh, kind of fixes for Jack Thorne's ideas, and John Tiffany weighed in a bunch in the writing process. But ultimately, like pen to paper was Jack Thorne. Mm-hmm. That's my basic understanding of it. It may not completely describe it, but Jack Thorne. And John Tiffany said that J. Cody Rowling was really encouraging and like a really great team player through the whole process. Um, and they just kept remarking about how great she was and how helpful she was where she wouldn't just knock something down. She'd be like, no, that idea is great, but let's build on that. Or this is what would make more sense with my characters. I think JK is pretty flexible uh, for like a universe creator that she is compared to other ones, especially, um, which is a good and a bad thing, I think. (laughs) Jack Thorne invented two new spells, uh, Mm -hmm. Fulgury and Moliere. Uh, They were developed by Thorne, but (laughs) JK named them. Jack Thorne said, I always tried to name them, but she always said something better. (laughs) Jack Thorne wanted to use a new Hogwarts headmaster Mm-hmm. And he had this character named Professor Marazion. But Rowling said that McGonagall should be directing Hogwarts at the time. Which, if you'll go back a couple episodes, she's like 140? <laughs> if she's born in 1880. So I'm lost um, yeah. on that one. Because I don't, I still don't think she's 140 in this. But wizard age, man, I don't know. Uh, And they also discussed adding characters that were in the epilogue or um, alluded to, like Teddy Lupin and Luna Lovegood, which made it to the rehearsal phase. Uh, They were discarded, uh, not just for, they just didn't want to use characters for the sake of it. They had a purpose with the storyline. They also addressed, there's another Weasley named Hugo Weasley. Uh, He was taken out of the opening scene of this. They just said that he didn't come to King's Cross that day. But anyway... That's about all of the development side of it. So I wanted to talk about the first scene and then we'll talk about, we're all going to talk about a couple scenes each and then I'll talk about the wrap up scene for act two. But act one, scene one is a great scene. It, it's a familiar scene because it's, scene one and two I should say, is a rehashing of the epilogue, but maybe in a more, I feel like it has a different tune to it, if you will. Mm-hmm. Like it's the opening of a new thing rather than a closing of uh, the other thing. And so it's similar, but it's not exactly the same. They change some lines and Ron maybe tells a couple more jokes, but he talks about getting his driver's license. And of course, Albus has the important conversation with his father, Harry. What if I end up in Slytherin? And he gets on the train and goes. And then he meets Scorpius Malfoy. What do you guys think of Scorpius? <laughs> Can I? Oh, 
man. Either one of you. Um, David, do you have a well-articulated thought in mind right now? So this might just be, I have a feeling that we're already going to disagree um, <laughs> oh at this point. I like him a lot more than Albus Potter. A whole lot more. Albus Potter annoys the crap out of me. Oh, no. I would agree that I like Scorpius more than Albus. Do you hate both of them? I don't hate no. both of them. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't hate. I don't hate Scorpius. Um, I actually really like him a lot. And I don't like Albus at all. Like, I think I can sympathize with some of his thinking. Um, but how he goes about it makes no sense to me. And so Scorpius for me as a character is, is different from obviously his father. He already, it's hard to say in, especially in act one about him, but I think act two really opens up his character a whole lot more to where he has this massive monologue with Albus in a closet to where you really get to see who Scorpius is and what he's thinking, what he's feeling, which really was the thing that says, yes, I do like this character. So so I was a I was a fan of his character way more than Albus Potter. I a hundred percent agree. Albus is super annoying. Ditto. Scorpius <laughs> is funny. He's yes. very silly. Mm-hmm. He's so far off the beaten path from Draco. I question mm-hmm. whether he should yes. be in Slytherin at all. Yeah, I I thought I think that it's too because of his almost because of his heritage, but that shouldn't be a reason. But I also think I think he probably wanted to be in Slytherin. Like he didn't see. I don't think he saw anything wrong with being in Slytherin. I have to. Yeah, it has but to also, be. But also. We haven't had a lot of examples of good Slytherin characters. Yes. We've only had, like, turdy Slytherin characters. <laughs> like, they're <laughs> the absolute worst. They're brats. Love they're that word, turdy. <laughs> so I, I think that this, like, I think Scorpius is a good example of what, yes. like, a kind Slytherin would be like. Or, like, a good mm-hmm. Slytherin would be yeah. like. Um and I think I, he has I, ambition because totally. everyone thinks yeah. he's Voldemort's child. Right. I think he wants he to prove want to, himself. Which is so mind-boggling. I think he wants to prove himself, prove who he is, and let other yes. people know that he's not what they expect him to be. Mm. And I think that drives drives part of his character. And you right. sympathize with him. Yes, you do. 100%. Uh, and I have to say on Albus's part, yes, he's annoying. Yes, he's very frustrating with Harry. Because obviously we root for Harry. His name's still on the cover. <laughs> yeah. I have qualms that anyway, I want to get into. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I, I think, I, I think yeah, it's a Abby, little frustrating. Yeah. Uh, Feel you. But I think Albus is starting to show his father's side more and more as they delve more into this back time traveling, mm-hmm. trying to save I could Cedric. say that as well. I, mm-hmm. I feel the Harry Potter coming out of Albus. And so Mm -hmm. regardless, Abby, you just, I'm just gonna have to like not look at your face right now when I say this, because you've read the whole thing. Uh, I think no matter how bananas this gets through the rest of it, I hope by the end that Albus and his father have some kind of connection at the end and 
um, there's resolution there. Yeah. Anyway, let's get my best into... poker face. Thanks. That's <laughs> very good. Uh, let's get into some scenes. What do you What do you guys got? We might We might talk over some same things, but. Uh, let's go ahead and just stay in scene two for a second and just address one of the issues I've had with sure. this book. Let's do it. Uh, Ron's occupation. Yes. Yeah. It, like, what was that? It's a Ron is a deep dive into the wrong direction. Yes. <laughs> like Harry, there's some leeway there. He's mostly on the track that I expected. But yeah, mm-hmm. they're just like, uh, no, Ron, like the book tried to sell Ron as like, no, he became this total BA and was an aurer and everything. If yes. anything at this point, which I don't know why he wouldn't still be in law enforcement of some kind. If anything else, I imagine he would follow in his father's footsteps and not. Yes. And not. Right. Weasley's wizard wheezes. Well, and again, I think it's the same it's kind of that same idea that we've been talking about of, okay, Harry and Hermione, you know, Harry's an or and uh, Hermione is the minister, uh, minister of magic. Okay, what's Ron doing? Well, he's all the way, like, owning a joke shop? Like, really? And and I'll say this, you know, I, I think I was a little harsh on my critique and my opinion of Ron. Um, but based on right now, I'm on Half Blood Prince right now. But this is wise. this is more harsh. <laughs> right, 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 right. No, I, I agree. But it, it's leading me to say this: like my opinion of Ron Weasley has completely changed. My per my perceptive of Ron Weasley has completely done a 180, and I think he's an amazing character. So to see this be what he's doing with his life is just very disappointing. Uh, and I was not okay with it at all. My thoughts on this, two things. One, I think that this ties into how the movies portrayed Ron as mm-hmm. well. Yes. Because the books, Ron had so many great scenes and epic lines and dialogue mm-hmm. that he wasn't given in the movie. And instead, in a lot of the movies, he was given all the comedic relief. Pretty and much except like, for Deathly Hollows. I think right. he got some redemption there. He did, he did. But I feel like, especially for this, I think they felt like they really needed one character who's like straight comedic relief for a lot of it. And so I, they kind of just dragged Ron into that. And was like, you know, Ron's pretty funny in the movies. We'll just use him as our character that, you know, just kind of relieves the tension whenever there's a lot of stuff going on. We'll just give him like, he owns the joke shop. And I... I don't know, it's disappointing. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, not to skip ahead, but Albus, like, being Ron, pretending to be Ron, and just being utterly stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not Ron. No. Exactly. Like, I think Hermione should have been able to see through that. Yeah. To talk through the whole trio, something that I couldn't shake, because I'm in Deathly Hollows right now. Hermione has this line that, like, the to the minister... Where the minister's like, you don't want a career in the Ministry of Magic? And Hermione's like, no, I want to do some good in the world. And now she's the Minister of Magic. 
And then mm-hmm. Harry hated the ministry. So if he was going to do anything in the ministry, it would be Orr, which he did. But then mm-hmm. eventually, for whatever reason, he ended up as the head of magical law enforcement, which most of the heads of magical law enforcement in the Harry Potter universe have sucked. Yeah. Just been bad blokes or just yes. dumb. Yes. Mm-hmm. Except I think the one at the beginning of Order of the Phoenix was good because she tried to get him out of the whatever, like the, the Dementor thing. Mm-hmm. And then she was conveniently killed right after that. Yeah. So I'm well, like, Harry would never take this job. Harry's not like a bad guy, but mm-hmm. they make it sound like he's not great at his job. Yeah, and with him, with his... Either with yeah. all the stuff, like all the stuff and paperwork he left unfinished, and Hermione's like on his back about, I thought you were going to be better than this. And yeah. It's like, I'm working fine, you know, just kind of brushing it off. But they portrayed what? him as really unorganized and like not taking his job seriously. And I think Harry does yeah. take his job seriously. I just think he's always been unorganized. So I kind of felt right. like that was more in character. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only thing I'll say about where Hermione and Harry are is how old are they in the Deathly Hallows? 17. So that's that's a fair point too. When I was mm-hmm. when I was 17, I did not think that I would be in the career that I am now. And I was not looking for I like I didn't want to do it. Now circumstances and things change, so um that's why I guess I was more okay with where they went because I was like, well, you know, maybe they thought okay, maybe if I don't like something, I can change it from within. Mm-hmm. And that's why they do it. Uh, that was where I settled on as well. Yeah. And so I really didn't have a problem very much with that. Um, but I I do have a problem with, yeah, I understand you need to have a funny character. I really thought Scorpius probably could have been that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he already kind of is. Mm-hmm. And he is. So... Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you, Abby. You know, it just feels like this is a movie Ron all over again to where he doesn't get to shine. He is continually the comedic relief in this. Yeah. It's unfortunate. You know who did, who was affirmed in this for me, which is in, in total against the movies, is Ginny's character in this. Is a lot more developed. Yeah. She's a lot more we like book Ginny. And she's the one that's like, she's making moves. Mm-hmm. She's breaking up fights. She's making sticks. She's making things happen. She's the one that brings Draco and Harry kind of in unison about it. Yeah. The, my favorite line was uh, Draco like said, and you like you you write in the Daily Prophet, and Jenny's like in the sports section. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's very on. She's very on brand with mm-hmm. um, the things that she says book wise. I think of her character. Uh, it it just to me, I guess it was more shocking. Again, I'm reading Half Blood Prince right now, but I like just started last night, so I'm really excited to see how Jenny's character kind of takes off in this book. Um, mm-hmm. But I think for for this, she's that voice of reason for a lot of people, and I think for the audience as well. In you know, we get to see the continuation of that relationship with Harry grow, and also just how much she's like 
the fact of, you know, when Harry, and I know this might be jumping around a little bit, but we can come back to it if we, if we want to, but like, you know, when Harry's going off on McGonagall and uh, Jenny at Hogwarts and he kind of talks to her a certain way and she's just like, you've never talked to me like that ever before. And then later on, the next scene, she says, we're going to have problems and we're going to hash it out right now. And I was like, yes, go, Jenny. Don't don't stand for that. Uh, and so it was. She's really good. Yeah, yeah. I she's, agree with that. She's definitely the, the unsung hero in the Potter house. One of the things that I that frustrates me, this is not even cursed child fault. This is just J.K. Rowling's fault. Why on earth are all of their kids named? after Harry things like she had Ginny had quite literally zero input in any of their kids names like I don't remember what Lily's middle name is but (laughs) Lily Severus Potter James Severus Potter I'm just kidding uh but like an Albus Severus Potter it's just like Ginny had no connection to those people Sometimes you do a name just to do a name, like Hermione and Ron's kids. So I'm just kind of like, what? Yeah. Why? That's just That just bothers me. A scene that I really thought was really significant in Act 1 was scene 7, where Harry and Albus really get into that fight that's kind of like the turning point for Albus. Yes. You know, Harry, it's on page... 38 in mind, by the way. So Harry goes upstairs. He goes into Albus's room. You know, he's giving them gifts, um, giving his kids gifts, and he gives Albus what Albus calls an old blanket. He's like, really? You're going to give me an old blanket? And Harry's like, this is the last thing that I have from my parents. This was my mother's. I was wrapped in it when I was given to the Dursleys. And Albus is just like, so totally not into it and over it and he's like what do i do with it like this doesn't do anything and harry's like this is really meaningful to me and they get into this huge argument which ends up with harry being like you know albus goes they get into this argument albus basically goes no i just wish you weren't my dad and harry says out of anger in return well there are times i wish you weren't my son which is something that albus this entire time has already been kind of self-conscious of trying to live up to the Potter name, trying to live in his dad's shadow, mm-hmm. uh, feeling like he can't live up to his dad, can't is consistently failing to meet expectations. Right. And especially being placed in Slytherin, like, so totally doesn't feel like he's a Potter. He feels like the black sheep of the family. So hearing that from his dad really just kind of solidified all of those insecurities that he already had. And it was just so heartbreaking and I was a little, I was so frustrated at Harry. I was like, Harry, what a jerk move. <laughs> like, you don't say that to your son. Which is another thing that, you know, when I like, just me trying to think of Harry as a dad. Mm-hmm. Seeing him at the end of the Deathly Hallows and the epilogue and then seeing the epilogue in the movie. Right. You know, seeing him as really kind and understanding and empathetic with his children, which he is a lot of the time. I just don't think of yeah. him lashing out like this. So it felt a little out of character at first. But then when I think about it, I'm like, 
well, what parent when their teenage child or like preteen child yes. is like yelling things at them and it's just mm-hmm. being the worst, you know, sometimes our emotions get the better of us. And, you know, that lash back is just kind of natural. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not great. It's not good. But, you know, for Harry, he's got a, he's got a little bit of a temper. We see that throughout <laughs> the whole series. It's blowing up his aunt. <laughs> yes. Order of the Phoenix, all caps Harry. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. Order of the Phoenix, Harry. <laughs> and this is much more balanced than that. Oh, yes. Yo, yeah. I, I, yeah. I feel for Harry, you know? I, yeah. I don't think this is a big dive away from Harry's character so no. far. And no. a lot of the crazy think choices he makes, he's just he's trying to control what is going way out of control, which is his relationship with Albus, but also mm-hmm. this entire situation with the time turner and Amos yeah. Diggory. Um, and he's like, I don't know if I should tell anyone that my scar is hurting again, mm-hmm. uh, but he does. And then he like immediately regrets that choice. It's tough to be Harry right now. And I, yeah. I think there's a lot of stories, almost every single one where the character is like this amazing hero in their child and young adult and when we see them as older adults they've declined somewhat mm-hmm. that almost always seems to be the the best stories because yeah. they still can get redeemed the one i'm thinking of the most yes david is the last jedi and luke skywalker but this is a different thing it reminded me of that in a good way right yeah 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 and I'm not going to talk about that at all. Um, <laughs> I just I just agree with it. For me, I was going to talk about that scene mm-hmm. for sure. But I think the scene that kind of made me think, okay, we're going to have that moment in scene seven is scene four. Mm-hmm. Um, when, you know, Albus is just being a little turd. Uh, <laughs> he's being turdy. Um <laughs> To Harry on like on platform nine and three quarters as mm-hmm. he's about to to take off again yeah. um, and just like just being so weird like a weird kid uh, and like he, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember was this was that also the scene I, I can't believe I have to turn back to it but I think in that scene he's like oh it's Harry Potter and his like like Slytherin son or something or yeah, like I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. And I'm just like, to me, this is where I think I have a problem with the writing. Because in the epilogue, you know, they made in, in the Deathly Hallows, they made such a big deal about, um, you know, the sorting hat takes your choice into account. Mm-hmm. Like he was scared about being in Slytherin. He didn't want to be in Slytherin. At least that's what it seemed like. Uh, but then when he actually goes to the sorting hat, he's put into Slytherin. Even after his dad told him, hey, the sorting hat takes your choice to account. So I'm just like, okay, I don't understand that. I don't I don't get that. Is Harry right about that? Mm. I think he is. I think the sorting hat's more complex than that. It could be, but I don't I think that if he if he literally did the same thing of like not Slytherin, not Slytherin, would it be a different outcome? Like if he wanted to be in Gryffindor. I think that it would have taken that into account and actually put him in Gryffindor. But that's just me. I think either way, however we want to look at it, even if he was put into Slytherin and the Sorting Hat is more complex than that, 
like his father gave him the advice of just then Slytherin would have gotten another great wizard. And regardless of what anybody else told him, he would have done well and been happy in Slytherin instead of kind of just wallowing away in Hogwarts, allowing the words of other people, which also happened to his father, sway his, I guess, his time in Hogwarts. Because then we see later on, he he wants to go to Hogsmeade, mm-hmm. or Harry wants him to go to Hogsmeade. And Albus is just like, no, I don't want to go there because it's full of Hogwarts students. And even Harry is just like, well, you know, go with a friend or, or something along those lines. Or you can go eat all the chocolate that you want, like without your mother's from knowing <laughs> or without her permission. Like it's it's perfectly OK. And he just like rips it up, throws it in the fire. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like your father is trying to connect with you. And you're blocking him at every turn by and basically saying, oh, he's the famous Harry Potter. That is the stupidest excuse I've ever heard in my life. But plenty of, why, of plenty of teens are like this, I feel like. Yes, yes. But that doesn't mean that like I, I have to like it. No. As, um, <laughs> and it just it's just so mind boggling. Again, like you said, he's a teenager, so this what this is what has to happen. And I think it's good that it's happening in the story because it, it gives it more it gives it a story and a plot line. Intention. Yes. Um, but that I think that's one of the most frustrating parts about this play is that it I think you're supposed to think these things while reading it. I'm just like, oh my goodness, what is going on? Um, and with Harry, man, the whole Cedric Diggory, uh, like Diggory, like still having to deal with that so many years later. Amos is terrible, is a terrible character. I love hating him because uh, he's so annoying. Man, that is hard on Harry. And he's dealing with his son on top of this. Man, you really have to feel for him. Yeah. Uh, like Spencer said. He's his name's on the cover still, um, and it's just it's rough. It's really rough for him. I think something that, given that this is canon, we have to kind of decide is how much we take the epilogue into account because this goes a different way on small moments. But Ron, for one, we already said that, but the then Slytherin will have gained a great wizard. That's not here. Yeah. Harry says, instead of that, he says, Hogwarts will be the making of you, Albus. I promise you there is nothing to be frightened of there. Oh, man. And that's frustrating. I don't like that as much as... No. No, of course not. Of course (laughs) not. But J.K. Rowling signed off on it. She read this before it got out there. Anyway, oh, man. yeah, no, you're I, absolutely right. I wonder right, if the Spencer. epilogue has to be, It's we almost have to think of it as some kind of idealistic future. Mm-hmm. To give, like the epilogue in the Deathly Hallows? Yes, yes. Man, and this I would actually, hate, this I would hate real, to do that. Yes. See, I would that hate to seems do that. so wrong to me because it is in, in mm-hmm. my brain. Like if yes. there's no debating 
Sorry, I'm like turning around pointing at my books. Those are canon material. <laughs> like, yes, they're the and, they're the yes. first tier. And the epilogue is in the seventh book at the very end. So yeah, it's so, the top tier. So of this canon. is yes. in the same way as Fantastic Beasts and Crimes of Grindelwald. I feel like mm-hmm. this almost has to be second tier. I want to I'm not going to say that's mm-hmm. not a final choice now, but I want right. to finish the book and then decide. Well, and because yes. something else you have to think about is this was originally a play. So like just mm-hmm. even so going like yes, it's written and yes, it was produced into a book, but also so was Fantastic Beasts. Like they took the screen writing and turned it into a mm-hmm. book. Mm-hmm. And so I would definitely I don't know, in my brain, I'm like, this would be second tier canon for me. Yeah. Like Fantastic Beasts. So anyway, uh, one scene I wanted to talk about was the Amos scene, but I don't know too much what I was going to say about that. Just that we said, like we said, that Harry's kind of really in over his depth. Also, this is kind of off topic, but can we just talk about the trolley witch for a second? <laughs> yes, we should. I almost <laughs> forgot. That was... like, let's look at scene 11 of Act 1. That was awesome. <laughs> maybe, I've, maybe that's a hot take, but that was such a fun twist. Okay, I don't know. Maybe I just didn't pay enough attention while reading the books, but I don't ever remember or even recognizing the fact that her job is literally on that train. And it's like she's a part of the train. She's been doing that for 190 years. Yeah, you really don't think about that's that. such yes. a Harry Potter thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is good. Love I feel it. like that must have come I love it. from J.K. Rowling almost. I think that's yes. so awesome. But in my mind, I was like, oh, it's just a woman they hired to do this anytime the train runs, you know, and mm-hmm. it changes yeah. every year. I yeah. didn't think of her, her as actually being like part of the train and then transforming well, anytime I love that they people go try to, the, to leave. I love that they go to the top of the train and she's still there. Anything from the trolley <laughs> down. <laughs> and then she's like, don't ever live in this train. It yes. gave me Polar Express vibes <laughs> of them on top of the train. Anyways. I'm trying to get off this train. Aren't we all? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Anyways, anyway, just, back to the scene, back to the scene you were you were wanting to talk about, Spencer. Okay, so the scene I actually want to talk about is scene nine, which there's a couple of scenes between Harry and Ginny, in their bedroom or in their house. This is one mm-hmm. of those. He just had a bad dream, where we get another look at uh, Harry meeting Hagrid. It might be slightly different, but it seemed to be mostly the same to me. But at the end of his dream, at the end of the scene before. We hear the voice of Voldemort, which I just heard Ray Fiend's voice mm-hmm. in Deathly Hollows. I don't know about you guys, where he's like whispering, but it's everybody's ears. Harry Potter. And Harry wakes suddenly, and Ginny's like already on it. And Harry's like, let's go back to sleep. She's like already like Lumos. Like <laughs> she already has her wand in her hand, just at the ready. And it's just such an intense scene. Like they're talking about Albus and everything, but then they get to the end of the line. Uh, and Ginny asks him, does your scar hurt? And then Harry lies. Mm-hmm. And Ginny already knows. And she goes, Harry, how long has it been since your scar hurt? And he, Harry turns to Ginny. His face says it all, 22 years. That was kind of where I was like, there's another point where I was like, oh, this is really, this story's really moving. But that mm-hmm. was like, that was the first one for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I think that's pretty much all I have to say for what, Act One. What? Yeah, I mean X Two. What do you guys think about the time traveling scenes, like when they go back to Goblet of Fire? I thought they were really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's crazy how one. I, that that I that's what I love about one of the concepts I did love from you know this book is that one one tiny detail that you don't think is going to be super damaging to the future can actually change so much Mm -hmm. so like when we find out all it took for them was to for scorpius and albus to wear durmstrang robes cost diggory the first task by knocking out you know the wand out of his hand and Hermione seeing them would then result to Hermione and Ron not being together. Him marrying Padma Patil instead uh, would have Hermione go from the Minister of Magic to now being the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher and being really un-Hermione-like is so crazy. And I think Harry... Harry's character then also shifts and changes as well uh, based on the conversation he has with Albus Dumbledore, you know, the portrait of Albus Dumbledore. But oh, I thought that was this, fine. But the, the following yes, conversation yes, where he goes ultra yes. control mode on Albus yes. Potter was definitely yes. a change. It was a change in his character for sure. And I don't think it's one that I'm even upset about. Really? He comes back around. Jenny, I, yeah, Jenny come, brings yes. him and Draco. And, yes. Uh, Draco's great in this, by the way. He really is. Um, but I think that's what I love about this whole Time Turner concept is what they were hoping to change in in going back during the first task doesn't actually work, but other things do change based on what they do there. Yeah. It's crazy and it's awesome and I loved it. Mm-hmm. I think the second task was where I was really excited. All that they did and how they how they they went to the girls' bathroom, like the <laughs> Chamber of Secrets, Moaning Myrtle nod, excellent. And Moaning Myrtle's just a ghost this whole time, so she's gonna like understand time differently. Like that was when I started to see honestly. Albus's genius with that whole idea was where I saw Harry coming through and how Albus is more his father than he thinks he is. But I, we should go back. Honestly, the, the Dumbledore talking to Harry scene. That was the one that I was going to say we have to talk about this. <laughs> it's so good. And yeah, this is why they can't do a movie, though. Yeah. I, I've thought about this a lot. I was like, they can't make this into a movie because they'd have to recast a lot of people. Namely, I mean, I think I don't think McGonagall would come back. I don't think Dumbledore would, Dumbledore would surely not come back. Mm-hmm. And Robert Pattinson's not coming back <laughs> to play Cedric Diggory. <laughs> I love that Dumbledore also like said something to Harry that I thought the entire time when Harry asked how he felt about him naming his sons after Dumbledore. Dumbledore said, candidly, Harry, it seemed a great weight to place upon the poor boy. And I was thinking about it. I was like, it is like he's trying to live up to so much. 
especially you know, and it could be two yeah, and it could be like kind of the one thing to where it's just like maybe you shouldn't have named him that. Yeah, <laughs> and Harry doesn't even address it; he just no, moves on, which uh, was frustrating as heck. <laughs> yes. And then from that whole conversation they had, he pulled all the wrong ideas out of that conversation and moved forward with those. (laughs) Yeah. And like Dumbledore said, you know, because Dumbledore was talking about, you know, you think that I, of all people, know how to protect a boy in terrible danger, Uh which I thought was a great line. (laughs) And he says, we can't protect the young from harm. Pain must and will come. So Harry says, so am I supposed to stand and watch? And he says, no, you're supposed to teach him how to meet life mm-hmm. and like you said he came to the wrong conclusion by the mm-hmm. end of this conversation but this conversation i think was so so good mm-hmm. and so crucial to the rest of this like who yeah. knew like yes dumbledore whenever he enters into a scene always does something to take over and to push the plot along this is not where i thought the plot was going to move like the way that it moved off of this conversation was really unexpected to me Mm -hmm. uh since we're running out of time uh i just thought it was crazy all the changes with ron i mean it was just more frustrating uh but the ripple effect was something for sure uh i love the duel between draco and harry it's very childlike, but very in character. <laughs> uh, there's a weird scene between Ron and Hermione where they're not married and they're kind of checking each other out, which is just, it's its cheeky. It's funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the ending of Act 2 was mm-hmm. bonkers. Guys, it gets, it gets wild. It, it's got to get wild. But Umbridge is head of, his headmaster and she's like, Get out of the water, Scorpius. You're ruining Voldemort Day. <laughs> and Scorpius, which I just, I love Scorpius. He's like, Voldemort Day? And that's what it ends with. Mm-hmm. So in the part yeah, one, part two, in the so actual crazy. show, you have to wait till the next day to see the part two. Oh. Or you could see it later in the day. Sometimes they do same day showings, but that's how the part one, part two structure worked in the play. So you imagine That's having cool. to walk out of that. Mm-hmm. That's horrible. Man. I mean, yeah. waiting just one day. I couldn't imagine like in the movie style, like if you waited like a year or something. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh man, that'd be that'd be freaking crazy. I imagine man, the I... writing rooms we could have had. <laughs> yes. Also, the thought that I had when I was reading this also was just like, man, just imagine this with music. Ugh, right. Because like, no, I'm talking about like mu- the musical. <laughs> Like, it'd oh be gosh. so fascinating. I forgot there was a I'd be like, "He's so crazy," which I'm gonna go see in uh, in May. So I'm excited about that. You're gonna have to record mm-hmm. your thoughts. Oh yeah, I will. Yeah. Let us. Uh, the only other thing that I would want to point out um, is actually, you know, after the battle with Draco and Harry, it's Ginny, Draco. Harry, and I think, yeah, yeah, it's just them in the kitchen kind of talking. And Draco, for the very first time, like you said, this is why I love Draco. He kind of goes on another monologue about him growing up Mm -hmm. with Lucius Malfoy as a father. Um, 
and talking about not having friends because of who you are and how that deeply affects somebody saying it not only affected me but in a sense tom riddle as well uh and i think he he says this beautifully he says tom riddle didn't emerge from his dark place and so tom riddle became lord lord voldemort maybe the black cloud bane saw was albus's loneliness his pain his hatred don't lose the boy you'll regret it and so will he because he needs you and scorpius and i'm like draco Mm -hmm. man I mean, this really is a husband good. that's seen loss. Yeah. Yes. He's grieving. And and yeah, and he even he even said he says, I don't know how to talk to my son about this. Yeah. Also, his son is like that seems to be a polar opposite too. Oh yes. Draco. Maybe maybe he's more like his mom than oh, he has to imagine be. he takes after yes. his mom. takes Astoria. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so I, I, I think we can all say there's some things that we really did not like. But also, I think there's a lot of great nuggets in this. I agree. Yeah. For sure. It's so yeah. I like it, but I just overall, but even just mm-hmm. act one and two, I liked it a lot better than I thought I was going to going into it. It's good. And then, like you said, Harry, Draco, and Ginny going into McGonagall's office to be like, Let's make things happen. Like, this is the mm-hmm. good guy's team, you know? Uh, yeah. It's a cool dynamic that Albus and Scorpius are almost the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Or at least they're in a lot of trouble, and they're trying yeah. to save them. But, like, I have no idea how this is going to keep moving with Act 3 being starting on Voldemort Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And no Albus. Like, Albus is just gone. It's killing mm-hmm. me. It's so funny. And I haven't, I've left, I've had to leave this alone since I finished it before we talked about it so i'm going to be excited Mm -hmm. to reopen it anyway which which that's that's really that's also a testament to how much i think we're enjoying it is like i couldn't i can't wait to pick up part two yep like i want to see what happens next we might have to record I, Act Three earlier, just because it's shorter. Yes. I'm like, I can't wait to read Act Four. Maybe, <laughs> I mean, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. But well, and you know, I Abby, I think you think you bring up a really good point when you were pointing to your books and saying that's tier one, and then you look at this and it's like, yeah, maybe this has to be tier two, but it could be tier two that you know we enjoy yeah. still, but we yeah. may just be like, you know what, it's not for. Especially with me being a canon guy, like, but, but J.K. Rowling has final say. I don't. Yeah. Um, so it is what it is. Yeah. But this is fun. So I think I'd encourage people to check it out. <sighs> yes, I think. Uh, yeah, I think I it's worth checking well. out. I think it's worth mm-hmm. reading. I, if you're a Harry I'm reading Potter it for fan, free. you should read it. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm reading it from the library for free. It's not like it's costing me anything. So. Same, Spencer. Same. So. Oh no! I committed and I bought it. <laughs> Abby committed and bought it, but you don't have I only to listen. Buy, I only buy tier one products. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, read along, kids, because we're talking about Act Three next week. Yeah, we're gonna get through it, guys. As crazy as it this. gets, we're gonna finish this. Mm. 
Anyway, on behalf of David and Abby, this is the show of requirement, Harry Potter podcast, Mischief Managed.